What is up, everyone? How are y'all doing this morning? Yeah. I was looking for you. There you are. Um, yeah, so I want to start off by talking about something that wasn't included in the announcements. You know, uh, more than a year we've been having uh, on the first Monday of the month a We Pray event. Um, I want to announce something that's not that, but it is happening on the first Monday of the month. That's why I'm trying to be careful there. So if you show up here tomorrow night for We Pray, you've not heard me. Um, we have actually partnered with a number of churches in Arizona to pray over the state of Arizona, and our day is tomorrow. Um, July 3rd, and when I checked last, we had 15 empty slots for that, and so as a act of love towards your God, um, and maybe, how's that heavy enough, um, and maybe just out of, out of uh, you know, pride in your church, maybe consider taking one of those slots and signing up. You can find it on the digital bulletin. Um, so today, uh, once again, that's tomorrow, that's July 3rd. Don't come here. You're praying at your home. Um, you'll find all the information you need in the digital bulletin. So uh, today when I'm talking, Hebrews is actually something that, my, that has been uh, something I've been reading lately. Um, every few years, I just seem to circle back around to the book of Hebrews. And at like important times in my life, it's just been, it's been the book that God just uses to speak through me. And we just recently read it in our family, and then I've read it uh, also on my own. And so a lot of what I'm talking about today has Hebrews as, as the background uh, to this story. And, um, you know, um, yeah, so keep that in mind. If you're a new believer, if you're a new Christian, you know, maybe if you want to read the, the Bible, start with the Gospels. But a good next step is the book of Hebrews. It does such a good job of explaining what Jesus did, how things changed, and what our reality is now. So uh, a few weeks ago in one of our staff meetings, uh, Allie Grimm, who normally leads worship, um, I don't even remember the question that we were answering in a little small group, and she started to share about how God met her on the top deck of a parking garage, and as she was worshiping and praying, she was, you know, would look out over the you know, the mountains and the lake and the city um, of Phoenix. And, you know, it was really sweet for me to hear that. Um, I was so encouraged that, um, you know, I started to remember how God moved in my life when I was 20 and 21 and how formative that was and to get me to where I am now. And it's encouraging to see God doing it again in uh, every generation. So when I was 20, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, this had been right at the beginning of my junior year of college and was in a service. This was not a wild service, but God just started pouring something over me, and I just felt like this oil, just richness of his love just covering me. It was overwhelming. I mean, I, mean, I was sitting there sobbing. My sister was next to me, and she's like, what is going on? Wonder if she needs to scoot down the down the, the pew and make some space. But anyway, it, it just started the most sweet experience of, of me just having these quiet times with the Lord, these private times. I'm not a morning person. I hate getting up in the morning. Um, but I was getting up at like 5 a.m. just so I had this space where I could go walk and hear his voice and just experience his sweet pre presence. Um, so a lot of GCU students here this morning. We have some. Yeah, right, yeah, that's great. So yeah, you guys, you go to the largest Christian school in America, is that right? Is that what they call it? It's close? All right, it's in the conversation at least, okay. Um, yeah, so you're in a major city, you guys have all kinds of entertainment, restaurants available to you, major sports that are around. 
Um, you know, so when Allie's praying over the city, she's looking at a million and a half people. So my college, not so much, you know. When I started uh, my college, my freshman year, we had 491 students. It was tiny. Now, it doubled to 1,000 while we were risking things there, right? Um, it doubled to 1,000 by the time I left. But, uh, you know, it was small. Uh, you know, m my high school is like three times the size of that. So that was, uh, I'm pretty sure most of you could say the same. Um, you know, maybe not Mo. Um, I think he grew up in a small town. But our town that this college was in, we had one, one flashing light. You know, it was a flashing light as you're cruising down the road, I think to get you to slow down long enough to even notice the school was there. Um, if you, you know, if you wanted to eat something in this town, we had like a nasty, nasty Arby's. Uh, um, I'm, I'm ruined to this day. Can't do it. Uh, nasty Pizza Hut, a tolerable Subway. You know, that's what we had. That was the options on, on, uh, on, on sale there. If we wanted to do anything more than that, if we wanted to like see a movie or eat a decent meal at a restaurant, we had to drive 40 miles to the great metropolis of Athens, Georgia. Um, so we're coming down out of the hills like bumpkins, you know, just uh, rolling up into Athens, Georgia. Now, you know, the thing about Athens, Georgia, it's the home of the University of Georgia. And University of Georgia is a fine school, roll tide. Uh, just kind of have to say that. Um, yeah, they're a fine school, but, you know, if they're not really known for, like, their high level of sophistication. You know, so when you're rolling down, uh, you know, from the hills to the University of Georgia, city of Athens, and it's an upgrade, you know, you might be a redneck, you know, <laughs> if that's true. Uh, yeah, so we would, uh, you know, Allie's looking at a city of 1.5 million, I think she's here right there, 1.5 million as she's praying, and like when I'm doing my prayer walk, like if the wind was just right, I could just catch a whiff of 1.5 million chickens and all their manure in the chicken houses right nearby. Uh, you know, it was a small place. We had, some, we had a lot of fun there because in a place like that, you have to make your own fun. Anybody know what that's like? Um, being in, uh, yeah, so in college, what that usually works out to is pranks. Yeah. So what I'm about to do is dangerous with a bunch of college students in front of me, but I might be giving them ammo and ideas. But I'll risk it. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, playing pranks, you know, that's a, that's a delicate task. Finding the prank that's just risky enough causes just enough annoyance, just enough hassle without inviting, like, drastic escalation. I've seen some of those, and, man, I'm like, uh, bloodshed? Um, that might be the result. But, yeah, so finding that, one of them that I was particularly proud of is we went into one guy's dorm room, and we removed every screw we could find in that dorm room. So I'm talking about hinges, doors, doorknobs, desks. We took them all apart. And we were nice. Like, we took tape and put them right where they went. And we left them tools. But we knew, like, he's got at least a half a day in there, you know, trying to do that. And he was annoyed, fully annoyed. Um, that was a successful prank. Yeah, one guy, he slept so hard nobody could wake him up until one day he woke up in his bed next to his desk and his dresser and his things on the quad. And as people went to class that morning, there he was sleeping in his bed, 
evoking a mixture of humor, amusement, and pity. <laughs> there he is, poor so-and-so. Some, some administration person got him out. Uh, yeah, so when those chickens got loose nearby, we gave them a home. We, we put them to good use. And, you know, the admin building, the music department, somebody's dorm room on the top bunk. So that when they went to bed, they would find five or six chickens just chilling right there. Now, you can shoo a chicken, right? What you can't shoo is a possum. All right. So one night, there was a panicked and panicking possum. And there's your alliteration for those of you who need that. Um, yeah, oh, possum. Um, you, can't sh you can shoo a chicken, but you can't shoo a possum. So trying to get that thing out of there was exciting um, as he was running through the third, uh, the third floor of our dorm. Yeah, I'm looking like a hick now, huh? Um, yeah, if you left your car keys lying around and one of us would just put our hands over them and slide it over to one of our friends and they'd excuse themselves, take their car, drive it three miles all across town, someone would pick them up, we'd come back, still in the conversation, slide the keys back. By the way, your car's at the grocery store. You know, it was real effective. That's annoyance. Now, you guys probably, that's one you're going gonna to take, isn't it? Um, yeah, so the best thing that we did, so my college, like, we had, we had rules, um, and we had a curfew, and so at, every weeknight, we'd have to be back in the dorm at 11.30, and we also had security. Now, maybe I should say security, uh, because security was one of us. Uh, he was one, a student doing his, just making a little bit of money by staying up all night in the security car, which was a vehicle with a little magnet attached to the side that said campus security. Um, and, you know, they took their job seriously, and we thought they had to be brought down a notch or two. And so we would go out, and we would make ourselves, we'd just appear, you know, and let them see us, and then we'd take off running and make them chase us for 30, 40 minutes, keep his, nice, his night exciting. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Like, you know, the problem with that is that at a college that small, they know you by your walk, by your gait, you know, your silhouette. They know your name. If you've got long hair, they got you. So we would try to conceal it in whatever way we could, but most of the time you're running away and they're yelling, Jonathan, Jonathan. And the key was don't stop, you know, because if you stop, they could, they could confirm it. But there's a little bit of deniability in that space. So if we were really feeling risky or, you know, aggressive, we would go up. We'd wait for that security guy to go sit in his car. And just as he was starting his engine, we'd run up to the side of the vehicle and snatch that magnet off of it, look in them in the eye, you know, and take off running. And he would chase us all over the place. And that was super fun because the next day, you know, we'd take that magnet, slide it underneath some teacher's door or some admin's door, and then we'd hit reset and do it again later. But if one day you happen to run up to that car and you snatch that magnet off the car and you found yourself looking into the eyes of Tippy, and Tippy was a marathon runner and he didn't stop. So you knew right then at that moment, oh no, he's gonna run me to the ground. And so he would absolutely run us to the ground. So Tippy had a mullet to challenge any of y'all's mullets today. Um, you know, down to here, uh, super short, gym shorts, you know, a little bit too high. Um, all of that. So being chased by that guy was, he ran. But I'm sitting here making fun of that place a little bit. Um, but God used it totally to, uh, to just work in my life. Um, you know, why did I make the choice to move to a, a college like that? Because I was following the leading of the Lord. 
You know, while I was there, I'm an English lit major. Um, I studied with a lady named uh, Dr. Sally Crickle, um, and she taught me to think. Um, She was wonderful. You better bring your, you better come prepared to class because she would put you through the rounds, but but I loved her. Um, She taught me to think. Um, She died last year. Uh, God rest her. Um, Also a lady named Miss Betty Webb, and Miss Betty Webb was working with Residence Life, and I went to her at one point when I was deep in doubt, and I didn't even know how to explain in this environment what I'm going through, and she just said, it's a dark night, and and she walked with me, teaching me how to trust God in the midst of doubt, how to put my life into his hands and to understand and know the Lord. And she also died last year. Um, you know, so I've lost two heroes in the last uh, couple years. And so here's my old man moment. Because next year is my 25th graduation reunion. And I'm going, where did it go? I can't believe it. You know, you guys have heard... Uh, everyone says we were still 20 in our mind, you know, and I still feel that way until I look at the mirror. I'm like, hey, you're not 20. Um, you got some, some gray going on. But where did it go? It went to Chicago and to Israel and following the Lord to Texas and Jordan and to Turkey and back here even to Arizona. Um, I followed God here. I followed God to Ukraine, Nepal, China, South Africa, Japan. I got a master's degree. I got married to Corey. Um, you know, those years went to... Guy and Simeon and Lucy and Charlotte, and to ministry to times of incredible, you know, unbelievable privilege to watch God work. Uh, when I saw Nadine get baptized and watch Muhammad, you know, cry and uh, mourn his country, uh, when I listened to the witness of Abu Nader, um, you guys can ask me about them someday. Um, but those were you know, the examples of me trusting my life to God, even as I went to this small, tiny college, knowing that he was leading me and that he is worthy of that kind of trust. So a lot has changed since then, you know. I, I got to hide when I say this, but I didn't get my first smartphone until 2017. You know, that's like 10 years after the iPhone came out. I was, I was behind it. I had trust issues. Um, and mostly because I was living in the Middle East and, uh, you know, I've, I've heard people breathing on the line as they're listening into my conversation. But I finally got an iPhone, iPhone 5. I was all of a sudden doing awesome. Um, but now they've taken over the world. It's amazing how much of our life has lived right here. Um, <laughs> how much of our life has, has lived right here. You know, we're basically, I heard somebody say recently, we're basically functionally androids right now. Um, so human-machine hybrids, just because of the presence of so much power right here in, uh, in, in our pockets. And, you know, I can remember when social media came out in 07, and I signed up for Facebook. And, you know, uh, now I get those memories that roll across on Facebook where they say, you know, I'm, I'm reading what I wrote, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I was texting my friend, you know, on social media. We didn't even know how to interact with it, you know. Nowadays, obviously, it's changed quite a bit. Um, but I laugh at those memories, um, you know, but it's amazing how much connectivity we've had from this. Technology is amazing. It's done great things in our lives, but sometimes I wonder, well, I don't wonder. I know that even when we experience new freedoms, new horizons with technology, and right now it's AI and all of that, you know, at some point it triggers in, it becomes a new bondage because Satan is still at work. 
Um, and we are not removed from, from that. We don't escape it. So you have to ask your question, yourself this question, you know, why is there so much loneliness and isolation and mental illness and anxiety? You know, I'm on social media because I'm a, I, you might not know it, but I'm an artist. And so some of y'all follow me on there. Um, and I use it to promote myself, to promote my artwork, you know. And, like, the temptation is to, like, curate something and put forward your best faith, best face um, on that. But, you know, in the end of the day, like, I, I come and find myself on Instagram. I'll post a whole bunch of images for a week of my artwork and get all the positive feedback from that. And then, like, the next week I don't have anything to post. And I find myself, like, man, I'm gloomy and I'm depressed. And I call it the social media blues. Um, there's, there's something else what, that comes with engaging in this online life that we all have. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm asking myself, you know, is the life of faith any different? You know, because we have these things. It's a new realm. We trust God, like say if we're in Arizona or Nepal, the relationship remains the same on how we can trust him. Um, so just as God is, um, you know, leading Abraham, God leads us. And in Hebrews, um, you know, so I have to ask myself, you know, what's this burden that we experience where we feel like we, it's up to us to curate our life online, you know, to curate and display this amazing life, when in the end, rest is found elsewhere. Rest is found in trusting God with where he leads us and putting all of that into his hand. Uh, I would like to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 to you. And like I said earlier, Hebrews has been a big part of my, um, big part of my walk in the last couple months. Um, and so beginning with Hebrews 12, chapter 1 through 3, um, I'll try to read it slowly. I tend to go pretty fast. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, you know, that space where we are full of worry and full of weary and losing heart, that is so life-giving to turn and find in Scripture a description that he is the author, that he is the one that is, that is determining my future, and, like, all I have to do is trust him. You know, so a little bit early in Hebrews, it says that my righteous one will live by faith. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of important. Um, if righteous, the one who is righteous has to walk by faith, it's kind of important that we understand what faith is. And in a simple way of saying it, faith is simply this. Faith is trusting God with all that I have, even when I don't see the outcome. Faith is risk. It's risk. It's taking a chance on God, risking myself, risking my future, risking my reputation, my possessions, even my family, so that God would receive glory right here in my life. When we stepped out to go to Turkey, I had to make the decision to take three of my kids, Charlotte wasn't with us, but all of them over to Turkey into the same place that we were. And it was risk. Uh, it was risky. 
Faith is hope in him who has promised to do good, who has promised to perform good things in our life. Faith is the conviction that God, that Jesus is holy, that he is pure, that he is good, and he has good intentions for me. Therefore, I will follow him. I will trust him. So when I ask you who's writing your story, Jesus is writing your story. Jesus is the author of your story. And we're going to have a couple folks come up on stage and share with us a bit about their own journey as uh, they have walked out the last couple years of their life. But why don't you guys give them a hand? All right. Um, these are all friends, so that's the fun part, is that I get to hang with my friends. And it's been great to get to know these people. Um, we're going to start with Aaron. Aaron Maynard is sitting to my left. Um, well, uh, they're all to my left. Um, Aaron is the closest one here. Um, yeah, and Aaron and I got to know each other a couple years ago. Um, Aaron was a PhD student at ASU, so why don't you tell us about that for a minute? crazy set of life circumstances that brought her here during COVID, um, caring for her nephew, all kinds of crazy things uh, that really just grabbed a hold of my heart and made me aware of um, just a massive burden that a lot of international students face when they come to Arizona to study or any other place for that matter. And around the same time, a lot of other things in our life started to happen that sort of pointed us towards um, the, the direction and the path that we're now walking with the Lord. One of those was a few weeks after I started the program, Grace had a, uh, an international Sunday where they uh, displayed and talked about the Global Outreach Programs. Jonathan actually did a message that um, was partly responsible for the path that I'm walking now, um, but basically decided um, through a series of events um, and a, a pretty clear calling from the Lord to peace on the PhD program, leave that behind. Um, leave the financial support that came with that and uh, the job trajectory that came with that and step into uh, full-time support raised ministry, um, which is something that was not at all on my radar when we moved down here and not anything I ever expected to be doing, but is what we're doing now. So that's, that's where we find ourselves. That's amazing. Um, how has, you know, can you tell us about the, like, the risky part of it? <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, there's... Let me stop you for a second. Yeah. So he responded to a message I gave, and I'm sitting down with him at coffee, and he's like, hey, you were talking, I think I'm going to leave my PhD program. I'm like, ah, you know, like, maybe don't do that, do that, why don't you pray about that? That sounds pretty awesome. I don't want to, you know, so your words are weighty, but anyway, sorry to interrupt that there, but tell us about how it was hard and and risky. There were a lot of risks that obviously went into that. Um, One, a risk of reputation. Um... I had worked really hard for a, a long academic journey to put myself in the position to be in the PhD program. Um, there was financial support that came with being in that program. There was a very clear trajectory of 
you know, academic achievement followed by a stable, what would have been probably a high paying, high income job. Um, all of that was what I think I was in line for. I hope I was, that was the path that I had put myself on. Um, and ministry didn't necessarily promise a lot that that promised in terms of stability, worldly stability, material stability. Um, and on top of that, it was stepping into a space where I'm sure some of you have heard the term imposter syndrome, where you're feeling like you're not at all qualified or, or justified to be doing something. That was 100% how I felt because I had no formal training. Um, I had nobody in my family that had that in their background. And it was a space that I knew nothing about. And also a space where I, I mentioned reputation at the beginning of this. I'm um, a space where a lot of people that I respected and loved in my life thought I was crazy. Um, thought my wife and I were, were crazy for doing this. It's like you have this, you have this program. You've worked really hard. You have all these things. Why are you leaving that behind? Like, is it is it COVID? Is it is it what's what's going on? What's going into that? So a lot of risk associated with just a lot of uncertainty that we had worked hard into that point to kind of not have financial. We didn't have to worry about that. We didn't have to worry about jobs. We didn't have to worry about a lot of things. And I kind of threw that aside. Yeah, so Aaron is supported by this church, and so if you're looking for someone to financially support in their ministry, he'd be a great candidate. Um, thank you for following the Lord, and I love that even though I told you don't do it, you know, you still You weren't quit, the only right? one. He got a master's anyway, which was really awesome, but, um, you know, the, uh, just, just congratulations on following the Lord, and you know, pursuing him through uncertainty, you know, and I, I, I love you, I'm proud of you uh, for making those choices, sound like a dad again, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this too, um, in, in that process, uh, there was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of days where we, I thought I had made a mistake, um, there were people telling me we had made mistakes, and I just didn't no. know what was going on, but you know, not that we've arrived where we're supposed to be, yeah. I think that God's still leading us in that, um, but I can say that there's so much peace and there's so much comfort that comes from knowing mm -hmm. that you've stepped into what the yeah. Lord has for you. And that's been a huge part of this story at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. One of the things that I like to say is like, if you really want to risk it, you know, put yourself in the position that if God doesn't show up, you're going to look like a fool. And like, that's faith, you know. And so that's a good example. Um, and Plenty of people will say, you've been a fool, you know? Like, but at the same time, uh, I admire what you've done. Thank you for sharing, Aaron. Uh, next, we're going to talk with Lori. This is Lori Weideman, and I have known her for a couple of years. Uh, actually, almost four now, I think. Uh, but I've had the privilege, privilege, privilege of working with her for, uh, through the program Alpha. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved? All right. Um, Alpha has been a really impactful opportunity here at Grace Community Church. Um, it uh, is a place for people to explore faith, uh, for, peop for people to ask their big questions, and then really just see what, is, what might that look like, what might faith look like for me or spiritual life. Um, we have seen the gamut of people. I think we started what, back in 2020 um, during COVID days when it was on Zoom, and then we've had several in-person alphas. And we see the gamut of people, um, new believers, people that are still trying to figure it out, um, people that are coming with big questions that they'd, they'd like to find answers to. Um, there are people who come from different faith backgrounds, um, some who come with a family or some who bring a family or friend or neighbor, and then they end up getting strengthened in their own faith. Um, so 
it's pretty much for anyone that's maybe just possibly interested in, um, in coming together and discussing faith. Um, I know that it's been really impactful because um, during those 11 weeks, it, it, the people that, that finished the program with us always want it to continue. They don't want it to, to end. And um, many of them have gone on to get baptized. Um, some have gone on to serve, and then others um, just have surrendered their life to Christ. It's been really exciting to, to watch that. That's awesome. Um, so similar to you, Lori came up to me after service one day and like sort of leveled her finger at me a little bit and was like, I believe in what you're doing and I want to support it. And I was like, oh, that's heavy. You know, like what did I say even <laughs> to invite this kind of response? But you did get involved in Alpha. And yeah, so it was brand new here. So like who knew what to expect exactly? And so I do remember... Um, uh, feeling quite a bit reluctant, and yet I just, I knew God was pressing it on my heart to, to be a part of what he was doing here at Grace. So um, we met, and you kind of told me how the Alpha course was run. Um, you talked about the various needs, and then asked me, what, where, how would you see yourself involved in this? Where would you like to be involved? And, um, and I remember um, you mentioning something about a silent leader, and I thought that's perfect because I don't really like to talk that much. And um, and so it was really just a, being a part of the group. Um, I think it probably it's more about just loving people, um, praying for them. Um, facilitating the conversation. A big thing about Alpha is getting everyone else to talk, like um, drawing them in, getting them to unpack their beliefs and, and sharing that with each other. Um, so a typical Alpha is run with, uh, it starts out with a, me uh, a meal, and we just come together and um, get to know each other, um, laugh, and uh, and, and just share our experiences with each other. And then we have a 15 minute teaching video. And during that time, it kind of uh, sets the tone that videos might be on who is Jesus? Why should I read the Bible? Um, anyway, that, those become the springboard then for um, our discussions. And then we break into our small groups. And, um, and I would say that um, Jonathan's done such a good job of, of being vulnerable and setting the tone. It's very respectful. People can share their hearts, and there is, it, it, there's just no judgment. We just really are honest with each other. And, and so I think um, it has made for some very meaningful conversations. Yeah, and yeah. yeah um, vulnerability is a huge thing. And I, I often think that, like, you, this is what I say. It's kind of dorky. But um, you, know, you can't minister to the mask. And so as long as someone's wearing a mask, you never see the real person. So a lot of our push in Alpha is to try to get people to set that aside and be who they are in that space. Yeah, so how has God moved in your life? Please? Yeah, I would say, um, well, I would say one of the things that I have uh, felt more recently is just the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Um, as I've made myself available, um, I think as I've just been listening better um, and been willing, God has just uh, blessed me in that. Um, 
I typically will sit in the back over there, and I kind of call that my little mission field back there because I, I see people that might be sitting alone, and, um, and I just ask the Holy Spirit to like lead me to someone, and I'll usually go up to someone after church and maybe ask them how they got here or how they heard about grace, um, maybe try to connect the, them with someone here at church, but um, I, I just feel like it has um, really blessed me um, as I've been willing to reach out and and just um, try to you know get others to um, grow in their faith and it's yeah. been exciting. Yeah, yeah. So walking up to a stranger is socially risky. It takes mm. some faith that God is leading you in that, and if you're hearing His voice, so thanks for sharing, Lori. It's been wonderful to get to know you. You've actually had an impact on our family. Maybe you don't know about it, but um, you know Jesus is worthy of your trust and of following him for the rest of your days. Um, and so thanks for joining me on Alpha. It's been really fun. Yeah, so next we're gonna hear from Justin. And Justin, this is Justin Gamble. He and I have gotten to know each other uh, over the last, just pretty much this year, um, 2023. And Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah um, you know, I, I'm a transplant, uh, moved out to Arizona about seven years ago, going on eight. Um, you know, my, my background, you know, that we don't have four hours to talk about, but um, didn't really grow up going to church, wasn't um, involved, you know, I, I believe, but my relationship with God was was not one that, that I wished it to be. Um, you know, my parents um, both battled addiction their entire lives, and as a result, so did I. Um, you know, I had to, I had to, as a consequence, I had to deal with that um, and, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, many years homeless and in foster care, and um, from that, you know, my, my relationship with God was, yeah, I believe in you, but I don't think you're, I don't think you're here for me. I don't think you love me. I don't think you're, you know, doing the things that you may have said you were going to do. Um, you may be doing that for others, but just, just not me. Um, but you know, th there's a lot there, but that, that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, and, and yeah. has guided me where I'm at. You know, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but it's, it's brought to, brought me to where I'm at. So, All right. So why did you come to church? Why did you even walk in the doors? <laughs> yeah. Um, again, an, another, uh, another long answer that could take, you know, hours. But um, this past year in, in 2022, I was uh, experiencing a tough time. Um, I, you know, ha had an experience that really just really shook me to my core. Um, and it really had me look at my life and, and, you know, ask myself, why am I not happy? Um, you know, there's something missing. I came out to Arizona, um, you know, got two degrees from a great school, GCU, so shout out to that. Um, got two degrees from there, got a great job with a great company, you know, and, and surpassed all the expectations of my life um, that, I, that I thought I was gonna have. But, you know, this past year, I, I something happened and I was just like, why am I not happy? And, you know, I was super depressed, super lonely. You know, I have friends, but, you know, there wasn't anybody in the world that can, that can help me in that moment. Um, and it caused me to kind of have an honest conversation with God and, you know, call out to him and ask him for help um, and, and really challenge him. You know, like I, I, I just told him, you know, like you, you say you're here for me, but I don't, I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't, you know, see how you're in my life right now. And there's nobody else that can help me um, but you. Um, and through all this, I, I was talking with a friend about, you know, exploring my faith. Um, and she told me something that I'll never forget. Um, that's really just stuck with me since then. 
um, you know, going through my problems and what I was experiencing, I was talking to her and she said, you know, people that don't have a relationship with Jesus have this God-sized hole in their heart that they're trying to fill with so many different things, um, whether it be money or career aspirations, lust, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and nothing will ever fill that hole ex- except for, you know, God and, and your relationship with him. Um, yeah. And yeah. That, just, that just hit me because everything she was saying, it, it felt like God was speaking to me and answering my, my prayer, my, my conversation with him through her because it was just every example she was saying um, was stuff I thought would bring me happiness, and it, and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, even the best form of human love doesn't fit in that hole. You know, um, it's like, you know, I think maybe the love of a, of a parent for a child maybe is the most pure that we have. Um, you know, love for spouses for one another, but it is not going to fill the hole. Only God fills that hole. And seeking his love in another person is a mistake. Um, but to find the love that you're looking for from God, um, yeah, I love it. Um, and congratulations that. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so what role did Alpha have in that for you? Um, I mean, Alpha played a huge role. Um, I mean, I started coming to Grace before I even heard about Alpha, but, um, you know, one of the sermons, Des brought it up how one was starting up in the spring. Um, didn't know what it was, what it was about, but I wanted to get involved in, like, it was during my time taking a deep dive into my faith and exploring that. Um, and Alpha just allowed me a space where I could be vulnerable and, and ignorant. You know, we, we use ignorant now in, like, a, in a way that can be bad, but, um, you know, it allowed me to ask questions like Lori was talking about and just, you know, talk about my doubts or talk about um, my experiences and how I feel that, you know, I, I felt that God, God wasn't working in me. Um, and just allowed me to have that sense of community and, and a safe space to, to explore um, and just have a respectful conversation with others, um, you know, people that have been in church that have had their faith for, for their whole life and, um, you know, just, just to be there and present and meet great people and, um, you know, some of my best friends that I, that I met there and, you know, that have helped me along the way and it's played a, it's played a key role in, in my experience so far. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and we baptized you right here just a couple months back. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, back in April, got baptized right here, so that was, that yeah, was great. That's so good, yeah, so good. Yeah, so thank you guys for coming up here and telling us your story. If you guys give them a round of applause. So, you know, Alpha, um, you know, Alpha's, we're weird at this church. Um, just in the sense, like, it's different when you get every decade of the church represented in the room with you. You know, we've had Alphas with teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s um, present in that room. I mean, I don't know anywhere else where that happens, you know, like, well, I guess this room. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's pretty amazing to get people in conversation with one another and you find out that, wow, you, you know, if, say you're, you struggle with this before too. Because one of the things that Satan loves to do, he loves to counterfeit, he loves to uh, isolate. And if he can get you believing that you're the only one um, who's going through this, then, then he's got you. 
Um, so it's really awesome to watch people um, come uh, into Alpha. And we have one coming up. Start looking for um, the ways that you can uh, get involved. We need people to feed uh, folks in Alpha. We need participants. If you're already a believer and you kind of want to be involved, you have to invite a friend who is maybe shaky, is uncertain, unsure. Um, you know, I, I love a room full of seekers. Um, you know, you throw a couple prideful Christians in there and it's like, it's really detrimental to the group. Not that you're all prideful, but sometimes the way we say things just come across in a bad way. And it's, it's right that we answer the questions that can be answered and give people a chance to simply not know anything about this thing called faith in a space in our church. Um, so anyway, be looking for those announcements, you know. So we talked in the beginning about how Jesus is the author of our faith, but also says that he's the perfecter. In some of the versions it says he's a finisher of our faith. And those words aren't too far apart from each other, you know. We, we uh, might look at a nice piece of furniture or a nice car and say it's got a nice finish on it. Um, you know, and of course it's been polished, it's been beautified. And so Jesus is, you know, writing this story that we're all on. He is writing your story. Um, and he is worth trusting with your life. There is no other thing more trustworthy than the Lord. Um, he's smarter than you, wiser than you, and his intentions towards you are better than your own intentions towards yourself. His love is that great. So Jesus said a lot of things. Um, and I'll end with this one. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, uh, you know, Jesus, he had a lot of, you know, stern warnings about things, and he spoke some prophecies, and he rebuked some people. But this is one I just keep coming back to. Um, Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come unto me, or come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In the original language and Semitic languages, it's more active. It says, I will rest you. I will rest you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's worth your trust. He's worth your life. He's worth your reputation. So pursue him. Would you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray. Um, we invite the prayer partners to come down front during this time. If you have a burden, if you have a need, something you need to pray over, if you want to trust Jesus, with your life, come down and pray with the people up front. We'd love to talk with you. But um, just, yeah, Lord, we come to you. We worship you. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. I've been a lot of places, Lord, and you remain the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Your goodness is overwhelming. Your faithfulness is unending. It never changes. It is new and renewed every day. Thank you, Lord. I pray for the people here, Lord, that they would trust you with their lives, Lord, that they would, that they would know you, Lord. I ask you to reveal yourself and all your goodness to them. Lord, I ask that you pour out your blessings on us. 
Lord, keep us safe throughout this weekend. Keep people safe as they travel, as they celebrate uh, July 4th. May God uh, help us to worship you better, help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.